You are listening to ReachMDXM, the channel for medical professionals. Cosmetic dermatology can make for a booming medical practice. What can we as doctors learn from this business model? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. Joining me today is Dr. Jody Gans, dermatologist at Olansky Dermatology in Atlanta. Dr. Gans is a member of the American Academy of Dermatology and the Women's Dermatologic Society. Welcome, Dr. Gans. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. It's good to have you here. Dr. Gans, let's just start with some of the old standbys that are really the bread and butter of your business. People ask me this all the time. You know, they want to know, what do I have to use? What's a good skin maintenance regimen? And the two things that I think we have the best science for are Retin-A or Tretinoin and sunscreen. You know, Tretinoin is one of the tried and true. It's been out for years And we do know that it actually helps to rebuild collagen and stimulate good collagen synthesis for wrinkles, good skin maintenance, stuff like that. A lot of the newer stuff out there in terms of growth factors, antioxidants, et cetera, are very promising, but we just don't have the years and years of data that we do with tretinoin. So as far as I'm concerned, you know, tretinoin should be in the water is what I tell my patients. I start a lot of people on tretinoin when they're, 15 and 16 for acne, and I just tell them to continue it. The only caveat is if a woman is trying to get pregnant, I do tell them to stop it for that period of time due to the risk there. But the risk is minimal, and I think the other side effects of tretinoin are pretty tolerable if you use it regularly. In terms of sunscreen, I think that is essential, and we do recommend using a sunscreen of at least an SPF 15 to 30, and I tell my patients to make it part of their daily routine so that they're not just waiting for the day that they're at the beach or at the baseball game and they don't get stuck without having the sunscreen on them. A lot of people nowadays have been worried about, are we using sunscreen too much? Do we need to be worried about vitamin D deficiency? And in certain subpopulations, you know, the elderly who are homebound, vitamin D deficiency is something to consider. But we know that a little bit of sunlight actually goes a long way, so about 15 minutes of sunlight to the back of your hands is usually enough to make enough vitamin D in an otherwise healthy person. So usually the thing I'm counseling my patients on is sun protection. So you're not selling a lot of obagi to the 80-year-old sets? Not so much to the 80-year-old set. We certainly sell a lot of products. Obagi is one of our popular ones. There are other big-name brands. And it's interesting, your patients come in and know these things by name. They've heard about them from their friends, they've read about them in the papers, and the dynamic is quite different with your cosmetic patient. I always liken it, it's a client. You kind of lose that doctor-patient relationship, and you're really dealing with a consumer and a client, and yet at the same time, they're looking to you as the honest expert, and I think physicians need to hold true to that you know, as much as we can. So when I'm choosing what I recommend to a patient or when my partners and I are thinking about what we want to promote in our office, we look for the hard science. We look for the studies that have been done, or at least as much as there is out there. It's certainly not as prevalent as some of the other things you're going to find in peer-reviewed journals, but there is data if you search for it. Dr. Gans, is there any science to all of these dermatological creams that everybody's selling in their offices and everybody claims to have the best one for for aging skin, the best one for acne, the best one for sun protection. And, and the, obviously there can't be one that is the best. 
and I'm just curious how you decide which one to stock in your office. It's quite difficult because a lot of the research and the science that is out there is company-driven. So certainly each company will come to you with the study that they paid for, they supported, and that thus supports their claims. So you really do have to kind of weed through that as best you can. There are some studies that do appear in your more peer-reviewed journals that will show what those specific ingredients do. What's hard to translate is can you take that from the Petri dish to the patient and does it make a difference in day-to-day life? I'm honest with my patients and I tell them what I know and what I don't know. I don't think there is one best one of just about anything. So what we try to do is have a number of different creams, potions, lotions that fit the various categories. So I might have a number of antioxidants that would support cell turnover. I might have a number of different collagen-developing or collagen-stimulating creams. Do I know that any of these are necessarily better than the others? Well, I try to decipher that. I get a lot of feedback from my patients. You know, I'll say to them, you use this for a couple of months, what do you think? And I take that very seriously, too. What are you actually using in your office? Retin-A, sunscreen, vitamin C and, and green tea extracts for antioxidants. And other than that, I leave it to the patient in terms of what are they looking for. Like I said, a lot of them know exactly what it is they want. And not that I'm going to let them use something that I don't think is worthy, but I will talk to them about what they're hoping to achieve. I do cosmetic consultations with my patients, which I think is very important. You need to know what that person's goal is. If that person is looking for the fountain of youth, they're never going to find it in a cream. If that person is looking to make their skin a little tighter and a little brighter, okay, we can work with that. If they're looking for a good way to keep their skin healthy in the coming years, we can work with that too. But I think it's really important to understand what the realistic expectation is for that patient and go from there. You're listening to ReachMD XM, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill, and I'm with Dr. Jody Gans of Olansky Dermatology in Atlanta. Dr. Gans, we're talking a little bit about the products you sell in your office. Do you know of dermatologists that make up their own concoctions and sell them? There are some. Um, there are also a number of people who are taking pre-made products and putting a private label on them. We don't do that in my office. I just haven't really looked into it enough. I don't know what the benefits of one or the other would be. I know that the companies that we use, we really try to find out who's done the studies and judge our products from there. If I were making it on my own, it would be harder to do a larger scale study. And I think that data is important. If you have three companies coming to see you and they have an identical product, how do you pick the product that you're going to promote? I pick it based on, you know, what information they have to give me. So they might have the same ingredient, but show me what you've done with it. Show me before and after pictures. I take a lot of pictures in my office of my patients. So, you know, I might see the real difference with a product. I might see no difference, and that might change if we continue to carry that product or not. So I really try to look at the hard facts, or at least as hard as we can get, in an area that the FDA doesn't really monitor too tightly. Do you use any laser in your practice? We do quite a bit of laser. We do some intense pulse light. We do hair removal lasers. We use Gentle Waves, which is a, another type of laser modality. We are a 
general dermatology practice, so laser isn't the exclusive thing that we do. There are some dermatologists who have become extremely specialized and do only laser. I think the lay public has a concept of laser as just this one black box, you know, that everything can be treated with quote-unquote laser, like in Austin Powers. (laughs) But lasers are very specific. There are certain lasers for blood vessels, certain lasers for pigment, certain lasers for hair, and you really want someone who knows their laser inside and out. So I would say most general dermatology practices will probably have a couple of lasers they feel comfortable with. Beyond that, what I'll often do is refer out my patients to a dermatologist who does exclusively laser and really has the expertise in that area. There are a couple areas in the country where there are such dermatologists. Washington, D.C. has a big laser center. Um, In California, they have a number of big laser dermatologists. And so it's important to kind of know who you're referring your patient to and for what reason. Dr. Gans, do you ever see any real nasty outcomes from laser treatments? I've been fortunate that in my practice, I haven't seen too many of that. But I have a lot of colleagues who will tell you the horror stories of patients that they've seen who first went to either a medical spa or the laser wasn't being performed by a licensed provider. And, you know, you can see a lot of scarring. That, that's the big thing. The newer lasers that we're getting do have more safeguards on them, and hopefully we're going to see less of that. But the big issue is scarring. Um, I've seen people talk about infection quite a bit as well, that post-procedure people will get severe superficial skin infections. So those are the things I worry about, and I've been fortunate, you know, knock on wood, that I haven't seen much of it yet. When, when I think of hair removal using a laser, I like to think of it as a a smart bomb delivering energy to the hair follicle. But as with any smart bomb technology, there's always some collateral damage. And it's not really talked about. And I'm just curious if you really can deliver all the energy to one area and not damage the surrounding skin. That is the ideal to get just to the area you want to target without affecting the other areas of the skin. And that goes for all lasers. The technology is getting better. But what we'll often do with some lasers is a test spot. You know, before we treat a whole area, we may test spot one area of the patient's skin to make sure they respond well to it at that energy and kind of adjust from there. There are general parameters, but you have to remember everyone's skin responds a little bit differently, especially based on skin type. The most important area that this comes into play is when you're dealing with darker pigment skin. So some of the darker pigmented skin tones will have a harsher response to laser, and we'll often do test spots in people who have darker skin before we'll actually treat them. Thank you. You talked earlier a little bit about the the dynamic change in when you're with a patient talking about their skin, you don't really become the doctor, you kind of morph into a counselor. Some people want you to be their esthetician. That's not what I'm trained in. So I really, I think dermatologists have to really protect our field. We certainly are the experts in skin care. And we can promote ourselves as such. But it's a fine line when the patient wants you to be the expert in skincare and the expert in makeup and the expert in hair removal. You know, there is a fine line that we walk. So I think dermatologists as a field really need to try to stick with what we know, stick with our medical dermatology, stick with the science we have to support us, and certainly advise our patients as best we can 
on these other issues, but don't claim to be anything we can't. Don't claim to have the answer for the fountain of youth. Dr. Gans, that's that's nice, but it seems that that's where all the money comes from, and it must be a very slippery slope for a dermatologist to balance being a scientist and a businesswoman. It is, and I think every doctor does what makes them feel comfortable at the end of the day. You know, I think there are certainly some people who tend more towards the business and cosmetic side and others that will tend more towards the medical. There's a big push in dermatology right now, at least in the academic dermatology settings, to really promote the training of medical dermatologists. I'd like to thank Dr. Jody Gans, who joined us talking about cosmetic dermatology. I'm Dr. Larry Caskell. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions... Send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.